Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hey, just a reminder, uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. And we have these books in the back. If you want one of these books, there's actually two books here. One's called Wide Tongues. One's called How to Receive the Holy Spirit. They are free and they are for you. So take some of these uh, if you need them. Or we have enough, really. If you just have a friend that needs to know about this, give them these books. It's just real simple. So I uh, encourage you guys. These are two free books for you about the Holy Spirit, about uh, praying in tongues, but just about how to receive the Holy Spirit's work in your life. They're really simple, really easy. So take these. These are free. Amen? All right. We're excited about that. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to Galatians verse 5 or chapter 5. We're going to start today and we're going to preach about the Holy Spirit again this morning. How many have been getting anything on Sunday mornings out of this Holy Spirit series about the Holy Spirit in you? So we're going to talk today about something I don't think I've talked about before in Galatians 5. Anthony's with me. How about the rest of you? All right. Um, I just want to give a shout out just for fun. I, I feel like Michael Manning's shirt says he got spirit filled within the past week. Stand up. Can everybody see his shirt? He got the Holy Ghost since last week. Come on, give it up for his shirt. Come on. I just noticed in worship, I looked over there. I'm like, my goodness, he got spirit filled in his closet. Cause that's a good looking shirt. That's a good looking shirt. Shout out to you for the style this morning, though. Glad to have a staff member who's got some good style. Appreciate that. All right, back to my message. Back to my message. His shirt is an inward or an outward reflection of what's happening on his insides. The Spirit of God's moving and doing all sorts of stuff. Okay, I'll get to the point. Galatians 5. And we're going to start in verse 16. We're going to read, this is kind of a longer passage, but it's good for you. In case you didn't read your Bible this week, we're going to read it together. Real easy. Galatians 5, verse 16. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Can I get amen? Anybody been there? So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is what happens. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, a dissension, division. Fun list. We're going to get to somewhere really good today, trust me. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here we go. This is where I'm trying to get. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Say, that's my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And last verse, since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Can I get amen this morning? So today we're going to talk about life in the spirit, life in the spirit. This morning, speaking about the Holy Spirit's work in your life, I'm going to kind of deal with some different things that we don't talk about as much as we should in spirit-filled churches. And I was thinking about these passages the past few weeks because this is the work of the Spirit in our lives as believers, and it needs to be emphasized like it should be because there's a lot of believers that only emphasize the powerful stuff, the gifts of the spirit, but we don't talk a lot about the fruit of the spirit. Now, thinking about this, and I'm going to quote Kenneth E. Hagan, and Kenneth E. Hagan is the one who wrote these books right here. And if we talk about Kenneth E. Hagan or we say Brother Hagan, there's a reason for that, because you need to understand that uh, you know he's in heaven now, but his ministry, he was really the father of the Word of Faith movement. And really, anybody that you would know that preaches about faith or the spirit-filled life, really, their roots come from Brother Hagin. So if we say Brother Hagin or Kennedy Hagin, that's who it is. Now, if you go on Amazon, he's got tons of books. Or YouTube, look up Kennedy Hagin, and you could see who I'm talking about. But he's really the father of the faith movement and um, was in ministry for 70-plus years. And he said this about the New Testament. And this is going to be what we're going to talk about today. They asked him, they said, you know, you've read the New Testament over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. But what would you say is the major theme of the New Testament? If you could say in one word or one phrase, what would you say is the theme of the New Testament? Now, when I say New Testament, I'm talking about from the book of Acts on to Revelation, the the church, which we're still part of that church 2,000 years later. And he said this, the emphasis and theme of the book of Acts to Revelation in the New Testament is life in the spirit. Life in the spirit. That's the emphasis of Acts to Revelation that we as followers of Jesus who have been given the Holy Spirit, this new life is to be a life empowered and enabled by the spirit of God. That is the entire theme of the New Testament. And you see this come over time and time again, whether that's the Apostle Paul writing or Peter or James or John or whoever. The emphasis for the believer in the New Testament is life in the Spirit. That now everything that we do as believers should be empowered and enabled by the Spirit of God. That when we pray, we should pray in the Spirit. When we read the scriptures, we should read it in the spirit. When we come to church together and we we get in community together, we should do it in the spirit. That everything we do now should be empowered by the spirit of God. That the life that we live now, we live by the power of the spirit. Not on our own or in our own strength, but the New Testament life or the new covenant life after salvation is life in the spirit. And it should be a great comfort for us living our life with the knowledge and comfort that we are not alone. 
we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, God himself living on the inside of us and living upon us to give us the desire and the power to do God's perfect will. That is the theme of the New Testament, life in the Spirit. Are you still here this morning? So if we read this passage in Galatians, which that's where we're going to hang out a lot today, you'll see these common themes in Galatians. And it says it different ways because it's talking about life in the Spirit. And it says it like this. In Galatians 5, 16 through 25, it says you should walk by the Spirit. You should be directed by the Spirit. You should be guided by the Spirit. You should be led by the Spirit. And you should live in the Spirit. All in this just tiny passage, it says those many different things about how we should live a life in the Spirit. Now, there's a reason that we want to live a life in the Spirit. And that's what we're going to get into today. Because living a life in the Spirit helps us. To have the power to overcome the wrong things in our life. But then the spirit goes a step further. Then he gives us the desires to do the right things. But then he takes us even a step further. Then he produces those good things in our life. But that only happens for people that live a life in the spirit. Now, Now hear me this morning. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're living a life in the spirit. It's a choice that we make every day to do what these words said that I just said a second ago, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be guided by the Spirit, to be directed by the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. It's not automatically that that's happening every day. It's a choice that we make because the Holy Spirit's not going to take control of us. We have to give Him control. The Holy Spirit's not going to take our will and make us do things we don't want to do. We have to submit and yield our will to the Spirit of God. But here's the good news. When we do that, then he steps in and gives us powers and desires to do things that we can't do in our own strength. He gives us powers and desires to say no to sin. But then he gives us new desires and he gives us the ability to produce the fruit of God in our life. I'm preaching already this morning. You can jump in anytime you want. So the the New Testament theme is life in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. Now, I got to get on Pentecostals and Charismatics because I is one. We emphasize the gifts and the power, which is great. But we don't emphasize the fruit. Now, for Pentecostals and Charismatics, that's wonderful. But guess what? Gifts are given freely. You know, the reason we call ourselves Charismatics is that word comes from the word used in the New Testament that talks about gifts, charisma. And we even say that today in modern language. If somebody's gifted, we say, you got charisma. We still use that. I mean, people that don't even know God say, you got charisma. He's, just got, he's got the it factor. He's got charisma. That word comes from the Bible, and it means you got a gifting. But that's not something that you earned or worked for. God just gave you that. Like, P- 
people are great at certain things just because God gave them that ability. Some people are just excellent at accounting, William, because God gave him that gift. Not that he didn't have to work for it, but God gave him that gift. You know, certain people are good at construction, but God gave him that gift. Certain people are great at music because God gave him that gift, and they just got it because they got charisma. That's a gift given. But the Holy Spirit wants to work in our life, especially in Pentecostals and Charismatics, not just about the power stuff. Like the Holy Spirit didn't just come just to give you those things. He didn't just come in your life just to give you the ability to pray in tongues or to heal people or to see miracles or, or to prophesy. I believe in all those things, but he wants to do a deeper work in your life than just that. So we, as Pentecostals, we all, all the time seems to be that we emphasize charisma, which is the gifts of the Spirit, but we don't talk about character, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And to be honest with you, that's why you see pastors and leaders and people fall all the time. You're like, well, how did that happen? They're gifted. Yeah, they were but they didn't have any character. And because all of us in the church world and even in the secular world, we emphasize gifts, charisma, but we don't talk about character. And when we hear this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to do both in your life. It's not either or. It's both and. The Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and he wants to give you gifts. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you charismas. But he also wants to come in your life and he wants to produce some fruit and give you godly character. Now, people don't shout about this stuff. They just want me to talk about the power stuff. But they go together. Now, why is that important? Because your gift can take you to a place, but your character has to keep you there. Now, I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm talking about all of us. Because your gift can get you promoted to be the CEO. But if you're not right, you're going to lose that job. Your gift can get you the girl or boy you wanted. And you can get married. But if you don't have character, you're going to get divorced. Come on now, somebody. So your charisma, your gift, because you didn't do it, God just blessed you with it. Can get you to certain places. But if you don't have character, you won't stay there. And God wants to do both, but how does he do it? Through his spirit. Not on your own strength. God, the same God that gives you the power to give you those gifts, is the same God that gives you the spirit to produce fruit in your life, which is character. You know what you call that? It's called integrity. It's when your inner life and your outer life match up. What is your outer life? Your charisma. What's your inner life? Your character. When those combine together and you're the same person in church and out of church and your inner life and outer life match up, that's called being a person of integrity. I thought it would be this quiet. But really all of us, that's what you really want. It's exhausting living a fake life. It's exhausting when your inner life and outer life don't match up. We all want this, but how do we get this? 
I'm telling you today, how do you get it? The power of the Holy Spirit. A life in the Spirit. And when he moves in your life and you give him control and you let him have your will and you align your wills together and yield yourself to him and you walk in the Spirit every day, you don't got to worry about the fruit. The fruit will start being produced in your life. It will start growing up in your life. But how does that come? A life in the Spirit. You still with me? We're going somewhere today. Now, the gift thing is easy. Gifts are given and they're instant. But fruit is cultivated. It's a process. And most people aren't up for the process. I heard uh, Jensen Franklin say this, and I love it. He goes, we're a microwave generation serving a crockpot God. Why? Because we want it now. But that's not the way God works. And we're wanting the things that God has for us, but we're not patient enough and let God work some things and grow some things up in our life to get us to the place that we can actually have some fruit. Because gifts are given instantly, but fruit is cultivated and it's a process. And that process is called living life in the spirit. We're going somewhere today. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Let's read this here in the New Living. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Look at what it says in the Amplified. But I say, walk and live habitually. That's a life in the Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. Notice how how do you do this. Responsive to. Hey. You know what that means? When the Holy Spirit talks to you, don't act like you didn't hear him. (laughs) When he says, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Be responsive to that because he's trying to help you live a life in the Spirit. And notice it says, and can be controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of your human nature without God. Let's bring it back up in the new living if we could. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But notice what it says, let. 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 You have to allow the Spirit of God to control your life. You have to be responsive to him. You have to allow him to work in your life because he will not force himself on you. Now, the devil does, but he does not. That's why it says you have to let that happen. And most believers are resisting him, not letting him. And wondering why they're still giving into their sinful nature and not producing fruit. Because you're not letting the Spirit of God guide you and lead you and work in your life. Because you have to allow Him to do that. And that's an act of your own will and choice. We could say it like this. You have to yield and align your will to His will. And when you do that, then He gives you the power and desires To not just overcome wrong things, but to produce fruit in your life. Can I read a couple things to you about this passage that I thought were really good? 
It says the will of the believer has been liberated from enslavement to sin and is now free to choose right and refuse wrong. The Holy Spirit has been giving him as an agent to counteract the evil nature. But he only does that for the believer that puts himself under his control by an act of his free will, saying a positive no to sin. In other words, there must be cooperation between the believer and the spirit to work in sanctifying your life. The Holy Spirit is not automatic and is operating in your life. He is a divine person waiting to be depended upon for his ministry and expecting the believer to cooperate with him in it. The choice lies with the believer as to whether he's going to yield to the spirit or obey the sinful nature. The spirit is always there, though, to give him victory over that nature. And at the same time, trust the spirit to give him victory over it. I love this on this verse, a commentary from Dr. Tony Evans. He said, When we depend upon the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to obey. Notice when it says walking by the Spirit, it doesn't say resting while the Spirit does all the work. We are called to walk while trusting in the Spirit's empowerment. It's much like walking on a moving sidewalk at the airport. You are walking in dependence upon a power at work underneath you. Note that you focus on walking and being led by the Spirit first, and then He is the one who overrides the desires of your flesh. To flip that order is to either lose the battle or to settle for flesh management rather than true spiritual transformation. Did you get that? You want me to read it again? I'm not. You're going to have to listen to the podcast. But what are both of those men saying? You have to, by a choice of your own will, let the Holy Spirit be in charge of your life. Aligning your will with his, uh, letting him have control, being responsive to him, being guided by him, being led by him. And if you just focus on that part, you won't do what your sinful nature wants to do. Here's what a lot of believers do, and they fail. They focus on the not doing what I shouldn't do part. That gives you no power to do it. No, the Bible says you just give your life to the Holy Spirit and listen to him and let him empower you. And you focus on that part. You walk in the spirit. You live in the spirit. You're directed by the spirit. And then you will have the power to overcome the wrong things in your life. And you'll get to the point that you don't even want to do those things because you got so many new desires on the inside of you. I'm helping you this morning. Galatians 5.16, let's read it again. So I say, let the Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let's look at verse 17. Galatians 5.17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions now i didn't have to give you a scripture to for you to know that's true you guys already know that 
But that's the tension that we all face and that we all feel as believers. And in the next few verses, Paul's going to compare and contrast choosing to listen to the Spirit and yield to Him or choosing to listen to your sinful nature and yield to that and what it produces in your life. But let's think about these verses. It says that the sinful nature has certain desires, and then the spirit has certain desires, but they're the opposite of each other, and they're constantly fighting each other. But let's take it a step back real quick. But what he's trying to imply is this as well. Before you were saved and the Holy Spirit lived in you, you didn't have a choice. You didn't have multiple desires in you, good and evil. You just had evil. And you were, the Bible uses the language, you were enslaved to sin, to Satan, to the world, to your sinful nature. And you couldn't make a choice outside of that. You did whatever they told you to do. That was you before you met Jesus. That was you before the Spirit came in you. You just automatically did what they wanted you to do because you were their slave. But this is what happens. Then you get saved and the Spirit of God comes in you. But he only saves your spirit, which is the real you. And it's new. But you're still living in a body, in a mind that has been living in enslavement for a long time. That's why you feel that tension. That's why you feel that struggle as a believer. It's not that you're, you're messed up or you're wrong. It's called you've been living enslaved for a long time. It feels weird to be free now. But you got to do something about those two desires in you because you're in control of yourself. And even though you're saved now, you can still choose by your will to go with your old nature instead of your new nature. You can choose by your own will to go with the old sinful nature. You can choose by going with the new spirit nature you have. But it's our choice, but it's a constant fight. We all feel that every day. It doesn't make you not spiritual because you feel that. It makes you a human. But the good news is this. We are free to choose. We used to just have to do whatever our sinful nature wanted. We don't have to anymore. We are free. And we are free to choose what the Spirit wants to do in our life. And notice, as soon as you choose that, then the Spirit comes to help you and give you the power and desire to do His will. Are you with me so far this morning? But all of us have been there because I know even after you're saved, if you've lived a certain way for a long time, you still kind of want to do those things. But you notice something when you do get saved and the Spirit comes in you, you start having desires that are going this way now. And that's a struggle bus, isn't it? <laughs> Because you got saved, but you've been smoking a long time. But you still want to smoke. But your spirit's saying, you're better than this. You don't need that anymore. It's a struggle. Or maybe you've been drinking too much for a long time. And you still want to drink because that's all you've done your whole life. But your spirit's saying, no, you don't need to do this. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. 
you've been looking at pornography for a long time. Your body and your mind still wants to do that. But your spirit's saying, no, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. I'm grieved when you do that. And we all feel that tug of war all the time. Even if you've been in Christ for 30, 40, 50 years, you still feel that. That's normal. The good news is, though, as soon as we make that choice to live our life in the spirit and to walk in the spirit, the spirit of God helps us and gives us the power and desire to overcome the wrong things, but to produce the right things in our life. The reason it's hard for all of us and it feels like the sinful nature is more powerful when it's not is because that's been our default all these years. Most of us have spent most of our life doing whatever our sinful nature wants. So then when we start getting new desires because the spirit, it feels like, man, this is way stronger. No, it's not. It's just that's been your default and your body, and your mind, and your habits, and your emotions, and everything in you is trained to live this certain way. So you have to untrain it. But how do you do that? The Spirit of God will give you the power and desire to do it. You do it by just starting to say yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh. And the more you do that, the stronger the spirit will get in you and the weaker the flesh will get in you. The more you say yes to the spirit of God when he leads you and guides you and directs you and you live your life in the spirit, it will get easier and easier and easier for you to do what he wants you to do. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder for you to do what your old nature wants to do. But you got to make that choice. But I wanted to clarify that because I want you to understand they are not equal forces. Hear me this morning. Just because your old nature seems really strong, they're not equal. The reason it seems stronger and bigger is because that's all you've ever done in your life. The good news is this. If you just give the Holy Spirit a little bit of a chance and a little bit of a yes and a little bit of a guidance, then his power kicks in. And there's no, come on now, comparison between the Spirit's power and your old nature. If you just give him a little something to work with, the Bible says the greater is he that's in you. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. Then he that is in the world. And as soon as we say yes to the Spirit and live our life in the Spirit, then what He wants in our life starts growing and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But it it reminds me of the example of God's people in the Old Testament when they came out of Egypt. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they were slaves. And once they left Egypt and went through the Red Sea and got to the wilderness, even though they were free, they still acted like slaves. They still thought like slaves. They even said stuff like this. 
I wish we could just go back to Egypt. Have you lost your mind? And then we get on church people that do the same thing in 2022. Because you'll see somebody, they're coming to church, they're involved in what's going on here. And they're just like, oh, I love church. I love God. This is awesome. This is the best thing that ever happened. And then two weeks later, they're back at the clubs and they forget about church. You're like, how did that happen? It's real easy. Because if you've been living that way such a long time, you're ready to go back to slavery because that feels normal to you. And that's why we have to keep saying yes to the spirit. Keep saying yes to him guiding you and leading you. And then he'll start changing things on the inside of you. But at first, for all of us, freedom feels weird. Because we've been living this way a long time. Listening to whatever the devil, our flesh, and the world told us to do. We just did it. But now we don't have to listen. And not only do we not have to listen, we got new desires and power to overcome that. And we've been set free by the power of the Spirit. But if bondage is all you've ever known, freedom feels uncomfortable. That's why it's a process. Remember that? Fruit's a process. The Bible talks about us renewing our mind. It's a process. Why do we renew our mind? Because we have to get our mind around. We're not slaves anymore. We have to get our mind around. We're not our old man anymore. We have to get our mind around. We don't have to follow and obey all those wrong things anymore. We've been set free. And we renew our mind to who we are now, our new nature. And what the Spirit of God wants to do in our life, which is freedom. Are you getting anything in this Pentecostal church this morning? But we all feel that tension between the spirit and our old nature. So let's turn back to Galatians 5, 17, and we're going to read through 23 here. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature... Uh, I think the old King James says works of the flesh. I mean, that just sounds nasty. <laughs> works of the flesh. <laughs> I appreciate the new living though. It says desires of your sinful nature. It makes it sound a little bit better. It's still going to be a bad list though. The results are very clear. So this is what happens when you don't listen to the spirit and you side with your sinful nature. It's not a good list. Doesn't end up well. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Facebook. Should I go on or should I? Okay, now. Because some of y'all thought you were good. You're like, sexual immorality, not me. Drunkenness, not me. Facebook arguments? 
you. That's you. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, like I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's stop right there before we go to the next one. Because so many people think, and, and I don't believe it, if this is what it means. But when it says they won't inherit the kingdom of God, I don't think it's talking about heaven and hell there. It's talking about you're never going to get into what God has for you living a life like this. You're not going to inherit all that the kingdom of God has for you because you're living opposite of the direction of God's kingdom. Okay, just to clarify, because you're like, I'm on that list. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> heaven or hell? Woo! No, he's just saying, if, if you're going to keep making decisions like that, you're not going to experience all the kingdom of God has for you because you're listening to the wrong voices in your life. So let's look at what the Spirit's going to do in our life. This is what we want to get to. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, let's jump back to verse 22 real quick. We're going to talk about these. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, before we talk about some of the fruit of the Spirit, I want you to hear me today. A lot of times, preachers go up and preach this list as a to-do list. That's not going to work. Like, this is the way you need to be. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And everybody's like, that's not me. I know it's not you. That's why it says the Holy Spirit. Come on now, somebody. When you give your will and your control over to him, he's the one who's going to start producing these things in your life, not you producing these things in your life. Hear me. That's why Christians are frustrated because, like, my life does not look like this. Yeah, because you need to give your control and will to the Spirit. And the more you walk with the Spirit, He's going to start producing these things. But it's a process. Just like it says fruit. Fruit's a process. you gotta, you got to plant a seed. Then you got to water it. Then you got to let the sun shine on it. Then it grows, 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 grows. And sometimes it takes time to bear fruit. That's why a lot of people are frustrated. Like, I don't got any fruit in my life. Well, you just got saved last week. It's going to take some time for the fruit to start growing up. But the Holy Spirit is going to work this in your life. But let's talk about these. The first one is love. Love. Now, this word love is a word agape, which is the God kind of love. The God kind of love. And we need to understand that is the first fruit given is love. Hear me this morning. The sign of spiritual maturity in your life is not gifts of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. The sign of maturity is not that you pray in tongues. Or that you fell out in the Holy Ghost. Or that, that you got healed or you prayed for somebody and deliverance happened. No, the sign of spiritual maturity is fruit, not gifts. That's why, you know, the Corinthian church prayed in tongues more than the rest of the churches, but they were the most immature of them all. 
And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love was written to the Corinthian church. And he said this, I don't care if you pray in the tongues of men and angels. If you, got, you don't got love, you don't got nothing. And then he said, I don't care if you got great faith and you prophesy and you pray in tongues and you cast out devils. If you don't got love, you got nothing. Because love is the greatest sign of spiritual maturity. And you're the most like God when you're a person of love because God is love. I'm helping you today if you're listening. But love is the first sign of fruit in our lives. We start loving people that we used to not love. We start loving like God loves, which is an unconditional, unearned love. That's God's spirit working in your life to bear fruit. In Romans 5, 5, it says the love of God has been poured out in your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I got to get on Pentecostals again. Sorry. Love is the greatest of all these things. And it's the number one fruit. I saw this recently, this quote, and I loved it. He said, I don't care if you pray in tongues if you're mean in English. <laughs> got him. Like, I could, I could list majority of Pentecostals I know. I wouldn't say a love walk was their greatest characteristic, and it shouldn't be that way. It's quiet. They should see, see your love before your tongues. So, no one cares if you pray in tongues if you're mean on Facebook. No one cares if you pray in tongues if you're mean to your coworker. No one cares if you're having road rage and cutting people off in the coffee crossing line. Before the Holy Spirit wants to give you a prayer language, he wants to give you love. And produce that fruit in your life, love. Now, one of my favorite stories is when dad was in seminary, he got spirit filled and he went to this pastor's church in Louisville that was, was known for, they were getting people spirit-filled and people were getting healed, and they were Baptists back then. And him and four other guys came in, and they were young seminary, Baptist, hardcore, you can't tell me anything like seminary students are. And they were going to the spirit-filled pastor's office, and they were asking him, because he was having revival in his church, and it was growing, and these Baptists were in there, and they were asking him a bunch of questions. They were being harsh and hard on him, and this man was just full of love, seasoned minister. Amen. He was telling them all the things that they were doing in their church because people were getting filled with the Spirit. People were getting healed. People were getting delivered. Their church was exploding in the Louisville area, and these young Baptist seminary students were were. Like, how do you do this and how do you do this? And he just kept encouraging them about being spirit-filled and the importance of it. And this one Baptist seminary student, which was my dad's friend, said, I just want you to know I got all the Holy Ghost I needed when I got saved. 
And the minister sat back in his desk, sees a minister and said, well, if you do, where is he? You know what he was saying without saying it? Where's your love? If you got the Holy Ghost, where's your love? Because that should be the number one fruit on your life, should be love. And if you got an angry, bad attitude like that, the Holy Spirit ain't working in your life. Or at least not that day. I heard uh, Pastor Keith Moore say this recently, and I loved it. He's talking about, you know, people were questioning, you know, different ministers and leaders that have fallen and saying, you know, I can't believe that. These were spirit-filled ministers. You know, they had the Holy Ghost. What happened to them? You know, they were spirit-filled ministers. He goes, well, they weren't filled that day. Because this is a daily, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. To walk with Him, to let Him guide us, to give Him control, to give Him our will, and to be refilled with Him every day. Come on now, church. Are you getting something? But notice the number one thing the Spirit produces is love. The next one is joy. I have some definitions for these that I wrote down. Some of these are really, really cool. I've found out a lot about these this week. Joy is an attitude of celebration, delight, and holy optimism. There's peace, which is harmony, tranquility. The Spirit's going to produce patience in your life, which another word for patience is your long-suffering. You have endurance in your walk with God and your walk with others. Joyce Meyer says that patience is having the right attitude while you wait. (laughs) But how do you get that? You don't get that by taking CBD gummies. You got to get that through the spirit. I don't care what you take or what you drink. The patience that God's talking about has to be produced by the spirit of God. So, so, so far the fruit of the spirit is love. The God kind of love is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness. Now kindness is being generous and considerate. Goodness is... You look for good in others, and you do what is good and what is right. Faithfulness, that means you're dependable. That means you're consistent. That means you do what you say you're going to do, not just at church, but in your family and at your job, and you're a stay-with-it type of person. Gentleness, you're not harsh, you're not hard, you're tender-hearted towards God, and towards others. And lastly, self-control. Another word for self-control is you're disciplined. You don't just give in to anything and everything. You have self-control. You still here? And once again, this is not a to-do list to go and try to force this fruit out of your life by 1230. I'm saying this is what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. 
And the greatest witness we have as believers is that they see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And you know what the list of the fruit of the Spirit is? It's the way that Jesus was on the earth. His character, his likeness. And the Spirit's job is to conform us to his likeness and image and fruit on the earth. That we're living and walking like Jesus did. So when people see us, they see Jesus. He is the head and we're the body. We are his church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. But what they're looking at the most is to see the fruit. And if they just see gifts and no fruit, they're not going to want what we have. But the Spirit of God's going to produce this fruit in us if we let him have control. If we allow him to guide us and lead us and we walk with him daily and we let him direct and guide our decisions, he will give us new desires and power to do this. I got a few more things. Are you okay with a few more things? The last one was self-control. Now, I have a lot of church stories that are fun and funny. Me and Daryl should get up here sometimes and share some of these. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. A lot of times in churches like ours or Pentecostal churches, they act like the Holy Spirit makes you out of control. Right? But actually, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now, when I say self-control, I'm not meaning, meaning stale, cold, dead in service. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about that God can give you through his spirit the ability to control yourself inside and outside the church. And to do the things you need to do, he'll give you self-control. But here's, here's a good story. You guys want to hear a couple stories? Okay. Now, I've been in a church like this all 34 years of my life. But several years ago, there was a laughing lady who came to our church. (laughs) And not laughing at the appropriate times, laughing at the wrong times. Like dad would be up, this was before I was preaching on Sunday mornings, dad would be up and like sharing his testimony about drug addiction and you just hear a laugh in the back. Not, Not the best timing. Now, through the years, because people know that we're a spirit-filled church, we're Pentecostals, every once in a while, we got a wild one that comes through. Because they're like, they're they're my people there. Oh, not so much. I'll give you a few names of a couple other churches that are a little more loose than we are. But, but, you know, we believe in self-control here as well. And... I believe in being expressive as a church family. I believe when the Spirit of God comes on you, you should respond. I'm there for that. I told you a few weeks ago, we need to get back to that more in this church. We've gotten a little too dry and a little too cold as a church family. I believe in that. I believe we should run and we should shout and we should dance and we, we should cry. We should praise God. We should be expressive. If we can do it at the basketball game, we can do it here. Come on, if we could do it on Black Friday when we're shopping, we could do it in the house of God. 
Come on, I believe in being passionate. I believe when the Spirit of God comes in you, you're going to be passionate. You're going to be expressive. I believe in that. But I believe in it done the right way, that when you do it, it increases the service. It helps everybody in the congregation. It, it helps the anointing come up higher. It doesn't make people feel weird and distract from the Word. There's the bounce. So anyways, there's a lady sitting in the back, laughing lady. And so she had like a witch's laugh. I always said this back in the day. I said, it sounded like a witch. Now, I don't watch a lot of witch shows, but if I did, it was like when she laughed, it sounded like she was around a cauldron. And it was like, dad would say something super serious. He'd be like, ah, So, I'm getting to a point here. Because the Spirit of God gives you self-control, not makes you out of control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So, this is when dad was preaching on Sunday mornings. I wasn't preaching, but as you know, I've always been sitting here, and I'm always analyzing what's going on in the service. I'm like, hey, this is going to be my church. What is he going to hand me? I'm thinking about everything that goes on in this church. I still do when I'm sitting here because I'm responsible for this place. So dad was ignoring. But I knew because I know you guys because you guys can't even stay focused on me when one person uses the restroom. Because you've already done that three or four times during the service today. All right. You've never seen anybody get up and use the restroom, guys? It's okay. So I know if you guys can't focus on me now when somebody's just getting to use the restroom, you're definitely not when somebody's laughing. Of course, I could not look on the sides over that section, that section, because everybody was about to lose it. <laughs> so this is what happened. It's one thing if it happened one time, but it happened week after week after week. So then after one of the Sunday services, you know, we go to eat lunch and um, it's myself, mom, and dad. So I confronted dad. <laughs> I was like, listen, dad, do you not, do you not hear the lady? At church on Sunday, it's not like we have like a massive church where, you, where everybody can't hear this person. She is laughing every time. And it's not like a Holy Ghost laugh. It's a creepy witch's cauldron laugh at the wrong times. And dad was acting all cool about it and collected. I was thinking, what happened to you? <laughs> so I'm confronting dad. I'm like, Dad, listen, of all things to let go, you're a prophet. You're way stronger and harder than I am on people. Like, like you would call this out like a long time ago in the past. You're letting this lady go. She's distracting the whole service. Why is this okay? I'm thinking, you're a prophet. I'm a pastor. Why haven't you called this out before? And dad was acting like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm just, of all times for you to get soft on people. I wasn't this hardcore with dad, but I was implying this. And mom was like, yeah, Michael, I've heard it. You know, he's, she is interrupting the service a lot. And I'm thinking, what? Of all times to let this go, because it was going on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Everybody was distracted. 
So Des said, I know what I'll do. So she's not offended at me. We'll let Brother Sean and Miss Donna handle it. <laughs> Which is a common trick we use at Church on the Rock. Just an, you want the insider scoop. So she came in. She met with Brother Sean and Miss Donna, and they loved on her and tried to encourage her. Sandwich effect. We love you. We're glad you're here. Why are you laughing? You know, it's kind of distracting. And, you know, we want you to be here, but you're doing it all the wrong times. Then this is what she said. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I got to laugh and I can't help it. And I, I, I just can't help it. Of course, they nicely said, well, that's not true. Because you're in charge of you. And that's not the Holy Spirit. If you're doing something so distracting, everyone else can't concentrate in the congregation. That's not the Spirit. It's not. Because the Holy Spirit's not going to take away from people being able to focus on God's Word. Now, she stopped coming to Church on the Rock. But we had to say something like that for the rest of you in here. Because imagine how many people that have come through here and done something out of control. And we had to say something like, hey, we love you, want you to be here. But don't do something that's going to distract other people from God's spirit. And then don't blame your Holy Ghost fit on the spirit when it's not him. Saying, I can't help it. No, he doesn't make you out of control. He gives you self-control. Now, I got stories for days, but another one was with um, Dr. Dufresne <laughs> in uh, Tennessee, and we were at this really big church, and the Spirit of God was moving, and there was another church, it's at this big church, a lot of churches come together, there's this another church from another part of Tennessee, like backside of the tracks, Tennessee, you already know what I'm about to say. So, that, like, there's, there's Church on the Rock Pentecostals, which are not quite Pentecostal. And then they're real Pentecostals. You know what I'm saying? You act like you don't know what I'm saying. I'm talking, like, dance the whole service, hang off the chandeliers. If a snake jumps out, it might happen in a church like that. I'm just saying. Like, real Pentecostals. Backwoods Pentecostals, West Virginia Pentecostals, people like that. So during the service, you know, everybody's, you know, praising and worshiping and dancing. But then there's like a calm moment and this young man comes and he comes up. And I'm not going to imitate him because I'm not trying to mock this. But his eyes rolled in the back of his head. And he started like having like a convulsion and was like dancing in front of Dr. Dufresne. And had this Holy Ghost fit. And I believe in Holy Ghost responses, but it felt really unusual and strange. It didn't feel good. Because he was out of control. And really, it grieved the spirit more than helped the service in that setting. Because I remember Dr. Dufresne got up and he was in a different place because that guy was like right in front of him having this weird eyes in the back of the head like I can't control myself. That's not the spirit of God, church family. Hear me. And I believe in Pentecostal experiences, but when something comes over you, 
and it distracts everybody from what's going on in the service. It's not the spirit of God. It's not. Because the Holy Spirit is going to come bring you self-control, not make you out of control. There's a balance. Are you hearing the balance that I'm speaking of today? I believe in all these things, but I believe in a balance of the ability to do it the right way where it leads people to Jesus, not turns them away from what's going on at the church. Let's read these last two verses and we'll close. Galatians 5, 24. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, keeps emphasizing this, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Other translations say, keep in step with the Spirit. Don't walk ahead of Him. Don't walk behind Him. Walk and keep in step with the Spirit. If you do that every day, you won't fulfill the sinful nature. If you do that every day, he will give you new desires. If you do that every day, he's going to give you the power to do the right things. If you do that every day, then those fruit that we talked about will start growing, 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 growing in your life. And you will produce the fruit of the spirit because you walked and you were led by him. But you can't do it in your own strength. He has to do it. But as you know, with any plant, it has to be in the right atmosphere for it to grow. So you have to put your life in the right atmosphere for the Spirit of God to produce fruit in it. What are those things that water those seeds and, and put light on those seeds and help the fruit of the Spirit grow in your life? Well, you have to put your life in step with the Spirit, the right atmosphere to grow. You have to put your life in His will, under His control, under His guidance, being directed by Him. You have to put your life in the right atmosphere for the fruit to grow up and bear fruit. Now, what are some of those atmospheres? Prayer, getting in His Word, and letting the Spirit of God speak to you through that. That's putting your life in the right atmosphere for the fruit to grow up putting yourself in church community. You're putting yourself in the right atmosphere for the Spirit of God to grow that fruit in your life. Serving at church, giving at church, spending time with the Spirit, not just once a week, but every day, in the morning, and on your break, and at nighttime, letting the Spirit of God fill you, that's putting your life in the right atmosphere for the fruit to go. And we can all do that. Keeping in step with the Spirit. I love the way he words that. Keeping in step with the Spirit and letting him guide every part of your life. And when you do that, then this fruit will be produced in your life. Did you guys get anything this morning? You promise you got something this morning. God wants to do this in your life, but he's going to do it by the Spirit. I want to encourage you this morning, don't get discouraged if you don't have all nine fruit by tomorrow at nine. Don't get discouraged if you've, you're still struggling with sin. You just keep 
focusing on what you need to focus on, which is walking with the Spirit. Being led, guided, and directed by Him. And then you will stop doing those things in your sinful nature. You will have new desires, and then the Spirit will start producing this fruit in your life. I don't know about you, but this is what I want. This is what I'm going for in life. And I want to get closer to the Spirit of God because I know He will produce this fruit in our lives. Could you stand up this morning? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.